It's Friday. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hello, Graveyard Shift. Whoever's listening, thank you very much. <clears throat> Howie Spangler. Tales from the Green Room, everybody. Woo! Woo! Episode 80. Oh my God. Episode 80. How fun, right? I didn't think that, you know, we'd get this far. I didn't think we wouldn't get this far either. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have a doubt, but it's still pretty rad. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, here I am. Episode number 80. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying being home a lot for the summer, uh, but it's coming to an end soon. On the uh, first week of August, we're kicking it off. Summer stuff is happening. We've been off. This is our first summer off in like 13 years. So, been, you know, taking advantage of the time at home with the family, getting a lot of work done in the studio, making music, working for other bands, um, mixing, doing the pod. You know, it's just been great. Slowly building my arsenal, my mobile arsenal for the pod um, when I'm on the road. So I really, really, really hope, and I've said this before, but I really hope to get back to doing stuff from the road more often. Now that I, now that I have more of the gear that I that I need, because you know it's like, uh, I just like the I want the quality to stay the best that it can, even when I'm away. You know, I don't want it to go down just because I'm on the road. Um, so uh, happy today. I talked to. Uh, to a guy named Mike Warner. He's a uh, he did a he wrote the book Work Hard Playlist Hard. And for all you artists out there, bands, music, musicians, if you're trying to get heard, you know, you got to learn Spotify. You got to understand how it works. And this guy like he knows his shit for sure. Um, take notes, get your get your notepad out. And listen to what he has to say because it was very informative and it was just a lot of fun talking to him about this stuff. His book is at Amazon right now um, in paperback or digital form uh, for the Kindle, the iPad, whatever. Um, go get it because it's it's very cool and he updates it for free. Whenever he like has new information or something changes uh, in this wonderful world of digital that we live in, um, he's able to update it and everything's like pretty instant. And uh, so you'll always have like the most up-to-date stuff um anyway it was very helpful to read uh, i'm gonna i plan on reading it again because it's a lot of information and it takes me a while to retain stuff as you'll hear me talk about on the pod um before we get into that uh let's talk about what bally who's doing next week we're gonna be doing three shows we're gonna be in jersey asbury park uh on the 25th at the house of independence and then we're gonna be in uh gaithersburg july 26th um, at Union Jacks and then uh, July 27th we're going to be at Old Town Pub in Leonardtown, Maryland um, and then uh, after that we're uh, taking off to meet up with the Revolution guys um, August 6th through the 11th we'll be with those guys uh, Asheville, Baltimore, Raleigh Virginia Beach, Hanahan, South Carolina uh, we're going to do our annual summer show at 
Secrets at Ocean City in Ocean City uh, in Maryland. So come hang out for that. It's always fun. Uh, you got to be 21 to get in. And no, I can't help you get in. I'm sorry. I get messages all the time about people that are under 21 and they won't let them in. It's it's not my call. I wish I could get you guys in, but I can't do it. I'll get I'll get in trouble. Um, so just just be 21. Um, you know. Uh, and then August 17th at the Tiki Bar in Solomon's Island, or yeah, just Solomon's, Solomon's Island, I don't know, in Maryland, um, Southern Maryland. And then we're taking off uh, for the on the 23rd, we're going to be in Vegas to kick off the uh, the summer brouhaha with Pacifier and Cashed Out. That's at the Brooklyn Bowl. We've got Reggae Rise Up in Utah on the 24th. And then we're heading over to Boise, Seattle, Portland, Bend, uh, Placerville for Dry Diggings Festival, uh, Bakersfield, Bullhead City, Arizona, Dallas, Austin, Houston, New Orleans. And then back for a home show in uh, Salisbury, September 21st. So, yeah, that's uh, taking us into the fall season, everybody. After this, it's been a great time being at home. Did I mention that? Uh, but we're excited to see everybody on the road. So uh, check out the Tales from the Green Room merch. Uh, go to uh, HowieSpangler.com and click the store link there and check out all the cool T-shirts. Uh, there's coffee mugs and there's iPhone cases and there's hoodies and you know maybe going into fall maybe you need a hoodie maybe not right now but maybe later think ahead you know um yeah take it to ballyhurocks.com for all the shows looking forward to seeing everybody and uh let's get it going here with mike warner work hard playlist hard start taking notes tales from the green room episode number 80 baby Mike, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm good. How about yourself, Howie? I am wonderful. I am wonderful. I'm uh, really stoked to actually uh, talk to you finally because um, I read the book and it's great. Um, the uh, I don't know how I found out about this. I don't know what turned me on to this book or like I saw an ad or I, I, I have no idea. I can't even think of it. Um, <clears throat> but I found it and... I checked it out and I think it was before you updated it. It was only like 40 or 50 pages and then you added like 30 more pages in an update, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest with you, when the book, the book's been out for over a year in digital format and since it first came out, yes, I've been adding uh, chapters, adding pages to it. But I've also been updating it. So there's been at least six different updates for people who originally purchased the book on Gumroad where I first launched it. Uh, and I've just been sending those updates out to, to them and just going, hey, the book's been updated. You don't have to buy it again. Here's a new copy. I want you to, I want you to have the latest information. Um, and uh, it's been really good to be able to do that with the digital versions. And um, to make sure that everyone has the latest information because one thing I've found is people are very quick to come online and let me know if something is out of date, which is awesome because then what I can do is I can share that. And I guess my hope is that anyone that reads the book and gets value from it uh, connects with me on social media. So that way I can say, hey, on this page, uh, there was a link to a particular site or a tool that I mentioned. Uh, that has now changed. Uh, here's the new link. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it is, 
it is crazy. I wake up some mornings and I get five different people messaging me, telling me about something I didn't even know yet because of time zones. So it, it's, it's awesome because um, then I get to go and uh, have a look at the five different uh, variations of information that have, that have been sent to me and start to piece it together and work out what's actually happened and how this could help or impact artists and what they need to know. It's, yeah, it's really, it's amazing, man. Um, the one thing that, that really stuck with me, it takes me like, I'm the type of person where, uh, it takes me like three or four times. To, I have to read something that many times to retain the information, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? Um, and, uh, I, of course I had it pulled up and now it's gone, but, um, the part about, uh, ISRC codes and how to yeah. sort of hack them to, uh, use them to help garner more streams um, with that artist. Uh, I forgot the name. Was it the Chainsmokers or no? Who, who was it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You got it. Yeah. They um, basically like, if, if I'm understanding correctly, they put out a single and then a month later or whatever, when they put out the second single, they released the second single on top and then they have the previous single underneath it. And then so on, this keeps going three, four, five, six singles. And what, yep. and what that does is kind of create, people just sort of play through and it just sort of automatically like brings up more streams for the, the previous songs, right? Yeah, that's it. Because if you, uh, as, as a user of Spotify were to open the app on your phone and it goes, Hey, here's a new release from the chain smokers or mm -hmm. any other artist that is doing this. Uh, you go, yeah, sure. You click play. It will play that new song and then it will play any other song on that release. Uh, so in this case, the same song, uh, Sick Boy appeared on multiple releases so that it had multiple opportunities to be heard. And I mean, it's, it's not even, it's not cheating. It's not gaming the system it's, or anything like that. It's, it's really smart. That's why I wanted to put it in there was um, because what happens is if your fans hear your new song and then your previous song plays immediately after, they're not going to be mad about it. Um, and most of them are going to listen and let it play as well. Yeah, I thought that was incredible. Um, that was something that I didn't even realize was a thing. And then I, I think I went and looked at their Spotify page, uh, at their Spotify page, and it like it definitely is. Um, it's it's it it makes it look like they have a ton of releases when they do it that way. Um, like it's just the page is like super long. But the who who cares about that? Um, it's. I think that's so such a rad like it's not it, I said hack the system but it's not you know it's not like hacking it's it's not frowned upon I yeah. assume but like just I don't know it's just a really cool way to to use because I don't think people understand how ISRC codes work you know um I remember back in the day like I didn't even know what that was I I couldn't even remember the I you know ISRC IS IRC ICR what is it you know <laughs> and, and nowadays when I think when I first realized the value of the ISRC code was when a few years back, uh, we put a record out with a, a label called law records, great experience, great guys that run the label. They're in a band called pepper. Um, and, uh, we did a record with them and it's one of our most popular records. And in fact, our, our top song, it's got like, uh, about 18 million streams now on Spotify. Um, right. Yeah, it's great. Um, so it came from that record and they switched distributors um, I can't remember who they were working with, maybe in Grooves, and they moved over to the Orchard. 
and okay. uh, and when they when they switched that record went away for like a month and we were like what is happening like this is like crazy and like all our numbers changed you know on on spotify and um walk away has been number one it's been our top song for years like nothing none of our songs seem to can dethrone it you know um and so we were kind of tripping and it came back and i was like man we're gonna have to start all over and this and Luckily, they used the same ISRC code, so everything came back. It went right back to the top. It retained the numbers that it had at the time. Um, and I was like, oh, that's how that works. It's, yeah, it's an ID exactly. for that song, and it never changes, and that, it's going to stay with it forever. So no, Yeah, it's, it, it's like a barcode on a product. There yeah. could be a million copies of the exact same product, and you can scan any of those barcodes and it's going to count as a sale of that product. It's, it's the same with that song. If we, if not that I like to refer to a song as a product, uh, but in, in this instance, it's a good comparison. Right. Um, how it's, it's funny as well because so I, I release music myself, uh, under the name date night with two friends back home, back in Australia. Um, and we have, been uploading our music directly to Spotify, which of course is shutting down at the end of July. It was only available to some US residents and I'm a US resident myself, so we got access. Um, And what happened is in the email, the very first thing that they mentioned is get your ISRCs and save them immediately because when you go to any other distributor, you need to put these in. Otherwise, you're going to lose your stream counts. You're going to lose playlist positions and everything else. Um, so make sure you've got those and make sure you re-upload it through another distributor so it's out before the end of July. Um, and another thing that's really important with ISRC, yes, it merges the stream counts. So if you have a single, then you include that same song in an album and an EP and it goes on a compilation. All the stream counts merge. It also means just one position for that song in the artist's top five or top 10 tracks on their Spotify instead of four different appearances in the top 10 tracks of the same song or with different stream counts. But the other thing is the ISRC attaches to the song in playlists. So for us, we're on, uh, for one of our songs, we're on two Spotify editorial playlists right now. Nice. Um, And the last thing we want is to lose those when the Spotify uploaded version comes down and the version through our other distributor, through CD Baby, comes up in its place. So... Uh, that's why the ISRC is so important because it also helps you to hold that playlist position because uh, they're they're keeping the track in that playlist based on the ISRC. Um, And so it will just um, merge across and there won't be any loss in playlist ads, which is huge Um, as as well. Yeah, the uh, those... Man, those those editorial playlists are like you don't realize what they're doing for your band. You know, it's like um, when we uh, the, we have two songs I think on "Soak Up the Sun," which is like it's got a huge amount of followers, and that's like been a huge uh, uh, stream for us. Um, and that's been three years now that I, I'm pretty sure it's like summer 2016 when they went in, and uh, I remember the day that. Uh, we put out this one of the singles we were on Warp Tour that summer 
And the day it came out, <clears throat> later that afternoon, I just happened to look and, and it was on, it was added to that Soak Up the Sun playlist. And it, I think that next, that following weekend, it just, sh- I mean, within the few days, it shot up to our, you know, top three songs. And I know that's because of that playlist, you know, and being on editorial playlist. It's, it's huge. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I know that obviously it's not going to be common knowledge uh, who at Spotify curates that playlist. Right. But I always say it's important to say thank you because it will eventually get back to that person. I mean, you can be sure that if you're getting added to an editorial playlist, that they've probably already had a look at your social media and they've had a look at your profile and no doubt they know what your artist pick is and uh, – Anytime you share a URL or a URI to a Spotify playlist, they can see that as long as it was shared publicly. So, you know, I always say, you don't know who you're thanking. You can say thank you, Spotify, for adding our song to your um, Today's Top Hits playlist or whatever you get added to and know that eventually it will get back and they'll see that you thank them and that you've actually encouraged your listeners to go and find that song on their playlist as well yeah um i always tell people uh i use um chart metric uh for to kind of see what's going on with the playlist i think they may have changed some things around lately i know they've moved to a dot com and uh i was checking some stuff out the other day and it looks like a lot of the stuff is blocked unless you're paying for it now um but there's still some pretty useful information there uh and anytime I see that we're added to any playlist, I don't care how big or small it is, even if it's got 10 followers, you know, it's just some guy in Ohio, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I try to reach out and say thank you for adding us and, you know, we appreciate it. Because um, you just never know, you know, what I, I, what's going to happen, you know, with that playlist or maybe this person gets a job, you know, maybe this person could get a job at Spotify one day, you know, who knows, you know, it's... Um, I think it just, it, it's another thing you have to learn to do. You know, when, when you're in a band, you know, you have to go to the merch table every night and say what's up and take pictures. And, you know, you're not charging, you know, 50 bucks for a VIP ticket just for that. You go out there and just say what's up and you, you be, become accessible. And it's, it translates to all this stuff, you know, all this new, this new world we live in um, with all these platforms. And Spotify is like the leader in this. They're the king of, you know, the playlist stuff. And you gotta you gotta give the uh, give the credit and, and acknowledge, and it all comes back. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I, I appreciate you mentioning uh, chart metric as well. Uh, full full disclosure, I am also part of the team at Chart Metric. Uh, oh, right on. So yeah, I, I didn't know that. Currently, I I take care of artist and label relations there. So I've done. Uh, hosted webinars for them and spoken on behalf of them at a few conferences and things like that. So um, I just, if, if we do talk about chart metric more in this, I just don't want it to appear biased. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there straight away that yes, I am involved with chart metric as part of the team. Um, but anything that I say <laughs> will be as unbiased as possible apart from when I say chart metric is awesome. <laughs> Um, that's funny. I had no but, idea. I just brought it up because that's what I've been using. I've, I've had a lot of help from it. So, <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, I, I wear many different hats, and um, Chart Metrics. I got on board when it first 
was doing a soft launch in November 2016. I was on Google as an artist, hungry for more information, and found Chartmetric and signed up for a trial and uh, got chatting with Sung Cho, the founder and CEO of Chartmetric, and we connected and met up a few times, and it just kind of really went from there. But it's, it's really grown. I mean, yes, it used to just be to see playlist ads and a way for people to uh, keep track of them a little more than Spotify for Artists, which, of course, is a fantastic free tool that's available to everyone. Um, but it doesn't have you know daily reports sent to your inbox and things like that, and it doesn't show you or, or tell you as soon as you've been removed from a playlist or perhaps changed the position in there. So... Um, it's been really cool um, to see all these extra tools being built out because, I, I mean, I'm a user of it myself. So it's it saved me countless hours each week just from what I used to do, which was click on 20 different uh, tabs in my web browser to view all, the, all these different platforms to see how we were tracking on them. Yeah, um, since we're talking about it... Um um, I'm actually I pulled yeah. I pulled ours up right now from my band, uh, Ballyhoo. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's great. I get the the daily the digest every morning, and I'll just kind of I'll just kind of scan through it and see, you know, what the numbers are and how much how many we've added and the percentages and things like that over the last day mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, explain this to me if you can. Um, so I'll get like a it'll say, in the playlist section, um, it'll be like added to you know whatever playlist this day and then the next day removed like what is and they, it always says that it's always added removed added removed and it's like literally a day but like i'll go and look and it's still there like is that do you know like do you know anything about that like why is it saying it's removed yeah yeah that while that sounds quite sinister uh and i'm sure that's not what actually is actually happening um one thing that changed re- somewhat recently with Spotify is they've always had editorial playlists where it's if it's 100 songs, it's the same 100 songs for every user that goes to that playlist. So you could say with confidence, we're number five on uh, Chill Out Pop right now. Thank you, Spotify. And you know that worldwide, anyone that goes to that playlist will see you there at number five. Um, in addition to that, Spotify launched personalized editorial playlists which um, are completely different for each user that goes and listens to them so what that was starting to look like in chart metric was hey you were added at position number seven and then you were removed and you were out of position 24 and removed and there were all these different instances appearing on the same playlist um and so what we had to do was to sort of clear that up because there's no way of saying exactly how many of those playlists you're in. Uh, we, we started putting a note next to it that would say personalized. So you would know that this is information that we have seen as to where you are in that playlist, but it is personalized. So it's going to be a different experience for every listener. Um, so we obviously there's, always looking for ways to find out more information about the specifics of that. I mean, I'm just speculating here and this is my understanding, but 
the way it works is for those personalized editorial playlists, they have a pool of, let's say, just putting a number out there, let's say 500 songs. And from those 500 songs, you as a listener, when you go to that playlist, will hear 100 of those songs that are more relevant to you. Um, and so what Spotify did is whenever a artist is added to one of those personalized editorial playlists, number one, they should get an email letting them know, uh, usually within 24 hours. But number two, if you go into your Spotify for artists dashboard within the, the seven days of being added to that playlist, it will give you a button you can click to create your own unique link. Um, and this is awesome because what happens is if you copy that link and you paste that on your social media, you share it, you do a blast out to your email list, anyone that clicks that link specifically, it will launch that playlist and it will have your song at number one on that playlist for anyone that follows through that link. So there's no awkwardness where you say, hey, everyone, go to this new playlist. It's a personalized editorial playlist. My song may be on there. You can go, hey, everyone, my song has been added to this playlist. Click this link and, and listen to it on here. And you have the confidence knowing that anyone that clicks that link, your song will be number one on that playlist. Um, and they'll, they'll hear that and then hopefully they'll stick around and listen to the rest of the playlist as well, of course. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is great. You're like giving gold information here. Um, yeah. I remember one time I clicked on a playlist that had added us and we were, we were like number one, I think. And, uh, it, but I didn't realize it was a personalized and they had just launched this and I was like, Oh shit, we're number one. Like that's sick. Like, you know? Oh wait, this is personalized. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. and look, I mean, obviously in Spotify for artists, it will still, it will tell you if it's a personalized editorial playlist in chart metric, it will tell you as well. Um, what, and, and a way to confirm this is I have two accounts. So I have a personal user account myself as, as just a music listener. Um, and then I have a separate account that is attached to my artist page in Spotify so that I can curate artist playlists in there as well. So what I can do is I can log into either account, go to that same playlist and see that it's a completely different list of songs. Right. And that, that's a, that's a good way of doing a test. If you're ever unsure and perhaps a new playlist has just launched and you don't know if it's personalized or not, you can simply do that. Just have two different, if you've got two different accounts or you've got a friend, that has Spotify on their phone, just ask them to take a quick look at that playlist and tell you what the first five songs are on there. Okay. That's cool. Um, so with that then, <clears throat> with that then, the ones that aren't personalized, um, it, so it, it's, pr it's a pretty big deal if you're like in the top five or top 10 of one of these big editorial playlists then? Yeah, I mean... Think, think about it as a listener. When you go to a playlist, as long as you like the first track, you let it play for a while. Um, I mean, yes, you may skip a few songs, but as long as you're not skipping every song, you're, you're, you're going to find yourself getting at least a quarter of the way into that playlist or perhaps halfway, depending on how long you're playing it for, if you're at the gym or driving or whatever you're doing. So, yes, 
being in those first tracks is, is good. Um, especially if your track is a good fit within the rest of the playlist, which of course with editorial, that's not really a concern. Um, because that's, that's what they do. They, they've got some of the best ears in the business for actually taking you on that journey um, mm-hmm. and making sure that the songs work together and it flows nicely. Um, but yeah, ob- obviously the higher up towards the top, the better. I almost feel like for some artists, they don't want to be the very top because people, you know, that people go, this is what this playlist is about. Um, Whereas if, if you're a few songs down, then they've kind of, especially for new artists, if they've heard some established artists that they like and then they hear your song and they don't know you, it, it's familiar company. So they go, oh, I already like song one, two, three, and four. I don't know who song five is, but <clears throat> it, it's right here after these other songs I like. I like it. Um, I'm going to let it play and see who it is. That's awesome. And I feel like that fuels the discovery even more. Um, you know, not not everyone wants to just press play and hear a song they haven't heard immediately. People like that comfort of hearing a song that they know. Right. And then they're okay with new songs being slotted in. Kind of like radio does, you know. They, they'll ease you into it. There'll be a few songs from known artists and then they'll drop a new track in there Um in the middle and just test it out and see how it goes in amongst all those other established track or familiar tracks that have been played on radio for some time. That leads me to another question. What do you think? Uh, do you think Spotify playlists are, is, is more powerful than radio these days or, you know, are we there yet? I think they're still both as powerful as each other. And one thing that people should remember is that it's all complementary. You can be massive on Spotify and be massive on radio and neither of them are going to be mad about it. So that would be the dream is to have your music follow people everywhere on every platform. I mean, I, I admit I listen to Spotify in my car 90% of the time, unless it's a short drive and, and I don't plug my phone in or, I leave my phone at home or something. Um, but for, for radio, it's always accessible. You don't have to pay any subscription. You, most people have some radio transmitting device in their house or in their car or wherever they are. So it's always going to be an accessible platform and accessible media that um, you can still reach that audience. So I don't see radio going away. I, as such, I mean, and it, I think it's always still going to be relevant and important. But what I'm seeing now is a song could break on radio and then translate to streaming immediately because it's so quick to just drop a song in a playlist now. Um, and then on the other side of that, you can still see a song that could go on Spotify or Apple or Deezer or Tidal and they really champion that song. And then radio look at it and go, well, it's uh, number one in the viral charts in the USA and it has been there for one week. We better run this track and, and test it and get some feedback and, and see, see if we should add it to rotation. So, yeah, I mean, it, it can go either way. I mean, um, there's a lot of artists out there. You know, you look at someone like Taylor Swift. When she first started out, it was all radio. She was out doing radio tours. 
and going station to station and doing a live performance and meeting them and doing interviews and really working radio. And now, you know, obviously streaming is huge, but uh, she really got her break in radio as well. Um, so I think it's all complimentary. I always say to people, I go, yes, I talk to you about playlists and I talk to you about streaming, but that doesn't mean you should stop selling CDs, stop selling merch, stop promoting your music to radio stations. You should be doing everything that you can um, to, to bring in that extra income for yourself and to make sure that your fans can access your music in whatever way they choose. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I know a, I know some bands that have stopped making CDs um, because I guess because maybe they maybe they looked at the numbers in the lab and they were like, okay, our our demographic isn't buying CDs anymore, so they just you know it's all streaming. I, I just thought that was interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what I find is people like the feeling of making a physical purchase. It makes them feel good. I you know this doesn't apply to everyone, of course, right. but um, there's that impulse purchase that happens. Uh, for some people it's at the mall they go I feel good if I spend $20 on something I get it in a bag and I carry it around I take it home that makes me feel good retail therapy um, <laughs> you're at a concert and there's a merch stand and you go man I love this band I wish I could show them how much I love them um, I wish I could take a piece of this home with me and so you go up to the merch stand and t-shirts are sold out uh, caps are sold out hoodies are sold out Oh, there's a CD for $10. I, I can part with $10, no problem. Buy that CD. Maybe you might get the band to get them to sign it or something, but you make that purchase, you smile, you're happy about it, you take it home, you take a picture with it, uh, you realize that you don't have a CD player in your laptop <laughs> or in your car or anywhere else. Yeah, It goes up on the bookshelf or it goes into storage but you don't regret that purchase. That band has made maybe $8 after the costs of uh, printing that CD. And, um, and then what happens is you go online and you stream their music and they keep making money from the streams. So, um, you know, I always say CDs are more of a, a, a piece of art or a decoration now than something that people are actually going to listen to. Um, which is why some artists now are actually going and getting things pressed on vinyl. I mean, yeah. I, I'm guilty of this. I'll admit it. I'm one of those people that doesn't even have a record player in my house right now. And I'll still purchase an album I love on vinyl just because I love the look of it. And I, I love to have it and hold it. And um, I'm, also a suck, I'm also a big sucker for liner notes as well, yeah. which is one thing that hasn't really translated over to streaming. I mean, there was nothing better than getting an album that you love, putting it on and going, I don't have a phone to stare at right now. I don't have anything else to look at while I'm listening to this. I'm going to take this little booklet out. I'm going to read. I'm going to understand the lyrics because I was heavily into uh, hip hop and rap when I was younger. I mean, I still am, but, um, and of course, not all of it would be clear to me. Um, so I would read the the notes in the booklet and read the lyrics and I'd go, mm, and I'd, I'd start to understand a few words that perhaps I didn't catch. Um, probably that's where I learned to curse a lot as well. Uh, <laughs> and, we all? and being Australian. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, you go in and you'd start to see who produced it, how many people were involved, uh, the studios, where, where they recorded it. Um, 
you know, all the thank yous and you'd see that they're shouting out other artists and then you'd go and look up them and, you know, it was this whole just discovery process um, and all of a sudden you know so much more, you feel connected to that artist or that band uh, or, or that group. So, you know, I'd really love to see that translate over. Um, I know that uh, Flume uh, must have been his, his first album when he put it out and people were sort of uh, more focusing on making purchases on, I on iTunes at the time, there was an enhanced version in iTunes that you could get for, I think it was an extra few dollars or something. And it included videos, exclusive videos behind the scenes, but it actually included a book uh, that was in digital format that was basically uh, the booklet that would have come with the CD. Um, so you could actually read it, read all the liner notes and everything like that. And I thought that was really cool and unique, uh, especially because, I mean, that's one thing that I've been missing all this time. So I'd, I'd love to see more of that happening now. Um, and hopefully, I know Apple Music, there's been talk of them integrating that. So I, I'm kind of hoping all the other DSPs follow and do that as well. Yeah, that would be great. I uh, When I was uh, uploading our, our last single back in May, um, it gave you the option to upload digital PDF, like liner notes, um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'd, I'd never done that. And so I had the, the, the lyrics from my, my, my rhyme book, like from, from that song that I'd written down, you know, there's like scratches and there's, you know, doodles and things. I always do that when I write lyrics. Um, and I figured that'd be kind of cool, like snap a picture of it and throw that in there as like a bonus. Um, but the one thing was that like, it, it, there's no clear way on how to view it. Like you can't, like there's no button or anything that says, Hey, read the liner notes or anything like that. It's just, you know, you have to figure it out. And I think the only way to do it is like load it up through like books on, on your Mac or something like that. And open a PDF and nobody's doing that. They want, they, they want to be able to see it right there on their phone, you know, while they're listening. <clears throat> so that was yeah, interesting. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, with Apple doing the standalone Apple music app with the next update that's coming, uh, maybe that's something that they'll include. I, I definitely, that would be a welcome addition and a welcome new feature. And another thing that makes them unique uh, because, you know, obviously Apple Music and Spotify, everyone says that they're directly competing, but I feel like they have different offerings as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be interesting to see what they do and if they do start including those liner notes in there in the next update, perhaps. Yeah, there was definitely uh, that. I remember that moment as a kid when I got the Dookie album by Green Day, like, and then laying on my bed, probably like on my on my belly with my legs kicked up behind me, like just all all giddy and stoked, and just like leafing through the pages of the book, and just like I I I think it was Billy Joe's handwriting, you know, with all the lyrics, and there were like all these doodles and stuff all throughout the book, and you just felt like. It was just, I don't know, you, just, you felt like a part of it. And it was like this cool little experience, you know. And so that was always fun, like, you know, reading the lyrics. And it, it, you can kind of find a little bit of the band's personality in there, you know, along cool. along with, like, the where it was recorded and, you know, who, who's in the band, who, who produced it, things like that. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that is something that comes back. That is, uh, you know, I haven't thought about it that much, but when you bring it up, it's like, yeah, that actually is something that has been missing. Um 
when did uh when did you decide you wanted to you know write a book about this stuff a long time before i actually finished it (laughs) (laughs) um no i guess the the book had been in the works without me even knowing so when i first moved to the u.s uh from australia uh, five years ago i was already paying close attention to streaming uh so to the point where in in australia um when spotify first launched you could actually dm them on twitter which is crazy like you know i mean obviously now yes you can dm if you need help and things like that but you could actually dm and get a response and i i actually sent them our our debut album uh, that way when it was coming out and surprisingly got a message back and you know they didn't say yes we're gonna support this but they said just keep an eye on new release friday and you'll see that's where you see it and i went okay and then on Friday, our album was in the new releases page on Spotify in Australia. And we actually got a few playlist ads as well, some editorial ads. Nice. Um, so that was sort of the starting point for me where I go, wow, all I did was ask, you know, I mean, how much further could I take this? And so when I moved to the US, um, I, obviously I, I couldn't work initially. So I had a lot of spare time. So I would... I, every day I would work nine to five uh, and, and just jump online and research and look into all these DSPs and uh, get an understanding of uh, curators and tastemakers and who they are and how to reach them and how they like to be reached um, and just sort of started building it up from there. And then, you know, I made a lot of mistakes uh, and learned from them and started to help other artists uh, and try and get them to the next level a little quicker um, by telling them what I did and what, what not to do. Um, and then I started writing these really detailed emails and it was basically me to them instructing them, do this and do this. Uh, here's the best practices for this. And it got to the point where a few friends just said, why don't you write a book and just put all this together? Because you could help a lot more people. And I realized that, you know, that was actually a really good idea. So then I just locked myself away and stopped replying to emails and just started, whenever people would ask me a question, I would write my answer in a way that I could then include that in the book, either as a chapter or as a part of a chapter. Um, And I am not a big reader. Um, so for me to actually write this, yeah, it it was a little bit of a struggle. Um, what I found is a lot of people like a book if it feels like you're talking directly to them and it feels friendly and it feels like the equivalent of me and you having a conversation right now, but you're reading it. So what I did was I actually started to use uh, voice recognition software on my phone and I just hit record and then they would convert that to text. And um, so a lot of the book, it sounds like it's me talking to you because it was actually written that way. It of really course, does. I would then go, yeah. So then, of course, I would go over <laughs> that and correct any mistakes and things like that. And then I had an 
a, a few editors go over the book as well. Um, but that's how I was able to get a lot of this out because it's in my head. I, I've said it multiple times, so I know exactly how to say it. And it, it's just, it flows a lot better and it's a lot easier to create that way. Um, so then that's how the book got out. And then uh, once it was ready, I, I went to gumroad.com. Uh, my good friend Sahil Lavingia is the founder of Gumroad uh, and um, got the book on there and just sort of let it sit just to see what the reaction was. And then eventually it just started to get around. I, I gave a few copies to close people that I'd been helping and they started to share it around and tell their friends that were artists. And then uh, it started to get to the point where I was updating it, sending out those emails with the updates to everyone. And then a lot of people were saying, I don't like taking my tablet or my Kindle outside to read this. And the only downtime I get is when I'm at the pool um, or I'm you know, laying out on the hammock in, in, uh, later in the day and uh, the sun's shining on me. Uh, any any chance you're going to do a paperback? And I, so that's when I looked up and I found a company from Australia called Tableau, and they're an independent distributor, uh, kind of like a CD Baby, uh, but for books. So oh, you cool. pay you you pay a fee per year, and they handle all of the uh, distribution, making sure it gets in all these stores and it's available to order on all of their systems. And it's great because for me, I update the information on one site and it pushes everywhere. And another reason I went with them is I said, look, if this book becomes out of date tomorrow and I want to change the content in there, how quick is that? And they go, well, every book is print on demand. So if there was a major change that you needed to make, you could change that and within 24 hours, anyone goes out after those 24 hours into a bookstore and places an order, it's print on demand. So they're going to get the new updated version. So if I went crazy tonight and wrote a hundred new pages, I could then go, okay, everyone hold off uh, for two days and then go into stores and order the book and you'll get the updated edition. Wow. So that was important to me. Um, Obviously, um, I haven't had to do that yet, but it's really cool to know that when, if I if I need to or if I want to, I can. Um, and I really like print on demand because there's no copies just sitting there on shelves gathering dust. I know a lot of people out there really like the feel of picking up a book and knowing that they're the first person that's actually touched it and read it. Um and also, it makes sure that the second that you order it, it's printing the latest version available with the latest information. So that that's kind of why why I ended up uh, going that route as well with with the physical copies of the book. Um, and it's funny uh, once once you offer another option, people start requesting something else. So I've had people requesting the book to be translated into Spanish, uh, German. <laughs> um, where else? Dutch. Um, I've had requests for an audio book as well. Wow. Um, so it's, it's really cool because I go, I mean, that's important to me. The same way music should be accessible on every platform. 
I, I want this book to be accessible. I mean, not everyone is an avid reader and wants to sit down and read this. Uh, so it's, it's important. And, uh, you know, that will be the next step is locking myself away and recording the audio book and finding a way to explain some of this uh, that obviously in the book you can see it there um, as well. So, man, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, an audiobook would be so rad. Um, I know there's a lot of people that love listening to podcasts like myself, you know, on these long drives and things on tour and things. Um, I can't say it enough. Like what a time to be alive. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Everything is just, I mean, <clears throat> we live in an on-demand culture these days. And I mean, even the, even the goddamn books, you know, can be brand new in, in a day. It's, it's wild. All right, we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with my conversation with Mike Warner from Work Hard, Playlist Hard, and the Streamline Podcast. What what, what would you say? You mentioned earlier um, you made mistakes and stuff. What what were some of the biggest mistakes you, that you made in the beginning? Did you I, did you come at someone wrong? Did you approach someone wrong? Or you know when you're asking about playlists yeah, or? Yeah, look, I I would say it was more so approach. Um, you know, I I was definitely at the time you get into autopilot mode and you think that the best thing to do is contact 500 people and hope for a result. And then you realize that what they see shows that you haven't done any research. You've sent them a EDM track and they only curate hip hop and it's not going to fit. Right. And you, you're, you sent this email telling them that your song would be great for their playlist. And so... Um, a lot of the time when I do little, what look like rants on Twitter or I'll post a screenshot. And of course I block out any identifying details about who sent it. But, um, when I do these, it's because I, I don't want to see artists make those mistakes because I've done them myself. So, you know, I've sent out emails. I, one of the most embarrassing ones I did, um, this is when they're, less people were finding email addresses for editorial contacts at the BSPs. And uh, I sent an email to Apple with a Spotify link. <laughs> <laughs> and no Apple link in the email. Oh, man. And uh, I, I just... I, the worst part is I didn't even realize until it was way too late. And I looked at it and uh, my heart just sank. I went, oh, <laughs> that just shows the lack of care that I put into this email. Wow, that was good. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Got, um, I have cool sound effects now. I like it, man. Cost, cost me a lot of money, good. okay? <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to use it. Hopefully, I won't give you too many opportunities to use that no, one. No, no, no. That was just perfect. That was awesome. <clears throat> no, that's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta do the work, man. It's like, <clears throat> so like, uh, I think people notice. You know, it's like maybe if you send like a copy and paste email, maybe you get some responses. But like, if you t actually take the time to make a nice 
prepare a nice little thing, you know, no matter what it is, you know, even how you approach making music and how you make, you know, making sure the quality is good and all the details are there. People actually appreciate the details, you know, and they can, they can see that you took some time and it feels more of like a, I don't know, just thought out and well-prepared. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna send a Spotify link to Apple. Damn, yeah, I, I definitely, I've done dumb shit like that in the past too. You know, like, yeah. When when I realized a few years back that like the way to like, so one of the best, one of the things about touring and and being being a band, going out on the road, and wanting to like play with other bands, and maybe they're like bigger than you, and you know you want yeah. to support. Um, like one of the worst things you can do is like send a message or or see them at the show and like bombard them and be like bro you got to take my band on tour bro like come on let's do it. like you cannot do that like it, it's got to be organic and it's something that has to grow over time like you have to build a relationship with someone because people don't want people coming up and going like spamming them going oh dude you got to have my band we got to do some tours sometime that's not how it works especially if you don't know them like I've yeah. I've built relationships with people over the years and I've never even brought up you know like hey my band like they we should tour together. I mean they know I'm in a band, you know, that's you know that's clear but like you have to it has to be subtle and it has to be something that's organic and and I I want to take my friends on tour when the, when new bands or like they come up to me and you know say what's up that's way better than them going, bro, we need to do something to get like, come on, let's, let's hook it up. They'll take us on tour. Like, nah, it's like, yo man, you got to do the work and you got to take the time. Like, just like we did. And I think, I think it just comes, comes across better. And then eventually you think of those people. I know this for a fact, like there's a band that we're going to go on tour with, uh, next month for the first time. And this has been a relationship that's been in the works for like six years. You know, it's like when I first met the, the singer and, there's never really anything like bro we need to go on tour like it's just an organic thing that you know you when when you first meet someone don't even talk about the band you know just talk about whatever how you doing what's going on how's your family stuff like that you know i feel like this just more appreciated and it's probably the same the same way with you know building a, a a relationship with like a curator or someone like that you know yeah definitely it's um you have to remember it's a real person, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to treat them like that. You, you know, I mean, don't, I always say, don't just try and befriend somebody because you want something from them because they're going to see right through that. And right, exactly. When they realize whenever that is, you, you can be sure that they're going to say something about that. And, you know, I mean, any, any, I've made a lot of friends through what I do and it's because it's genuine. I mean, I'm not going to click with everyone that I meet, but we'll still have, if we can still help each other, then we will. Um, we don't need to force a friendship there. You know, it's just, it's more a respect thing. Um, and, and some people like to keep to themselves as well. You know, they, they don't necessarily want to get on a phone call and talk about their life, how they're doing, talk about their family and stuff. They just want to get their work done and they've, they've got their own life. So, um, you know, I always say just, respect them and just give give them some time to warm up to you um and then they're going to decide you know just if, if there's some awareness about what you do that eventually comes then 
they, you're going to come into their mind at some point. Um, you know, give you an idea. Uh, I mean, to let you know what I did when I first moved into another city back in Australia, um, I was a DJ at the time and I moved to this other city and some people in the venues knew of me. Um, but, uh, what I did was I would go out to these venues and I would talk to artists that I knew when they were playing there. And then I would hang out with them. And then at the end of the night, we'd be back in the green room. Uh, nice, nice little plug there. We'd be in the, you know, we'd be in the green room hanging out. And, um, what would happen is, it would get to about four o'clock in the morning and most importantly, I would be sober um, <laughs> or, or, or about two beers deep, but for the most part sober and uh, in would walk the manager and the owner and they're really happy with what's happened. The guest artist is there. You're there. They go, who are you? And, and you meet them. You get to talk to them and then they realize what you do. And most of those conversations ended up with them saying, why are you here right now? Are you not playing a show? And I go, and I would say, no, I just moved here. Um, you know, I just came in to see my friend play. And then I actually, after I did that, I ended up getting booked in each of the main clubs in that city one week after the next for the first four weeks that I was there. And, um, which is kind of unheard of, uh, because, they were all in such close proximity, but because I was local, um, they would just they would just say, "Yeah, you know, do you want to do you want to do next week?" And and then I, you know that's how I sort of worked my way into the scene there, just by being out and people realizing that when they'd see me somewhere, uh, that I was available because it was at the time when they would usually like to have me uh, playing in their venue. So you know, similar to what you said with other artists or bands, if, if you get to know the band, if it's a, you know, let's say there's a local band that you know and they're supporting someone else and you end up hanging out long enough that you end up in that green room and you, you meet the other band or you meet the booker at that venue and they go, what do you do? And then you tell them and they go, oh, okay, so, so you live in the area, you do this music, all right, you know, I'll check you out. And and now the now you've created awareness. They know your name. Yes. Uh, they may not look you up straight away, but the next time somebody mentions you, it's going to sound familiar, and they, that might remind them to uh, look you up online and see what you're about and what you do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like approach it like um, don't even bring it up. Just be be around, be be there, and hanging out, and and get them to ask you about what it is you do you know don't walk in like yeah i'm in a band and you check out my cd man you guys really should listen to my seat like that kind of stuff is it actually like brings the room down like nobody wants to do that you know people just want to hang out i've been on i've been on tour buses after shows and you get like you know with my friends bands and stuff and you get some some new person that's like doesn't is was just at the show and is trying to work his way in and it's just completely obvious instead of just hanging out and like maybe having a beer with somebody and just chatting and not bringing up their band or you know, whatever, like, it's like, Hey bro, check out my CD. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, but it's kind of weird. Like we're just trying to hang out and like, I don't know. It's just, I think it's just a human thing. It's like, there's fundamentals about how, how all this works. You know, if you, if you build an organic relationship with someone, you know, it, it has the potential eventually to lead somewhere, the place you want to go, but you got to have patience. 
you you know you can't you got to be able to play the long game you know and definitely yeah and and you know that's not to say that you're just in it just to you know level yourself up i mean i'm i love making friends too i love just knowing people and whatever it's it's not necessarily for like opportunistic things but yeah just come at it just be cool be chill don't uh don't get up in, in anybody's face and the last thing they want to do is listen to your cd right now you know yeah and if if you are a you know if you're a good hang be a good hang yes you know what i mean like yes. i the, the best experiences i've had in green rooms is when everyone is just sitting around one person is t- starts telling a funny story and everyone ju- jumps in, uh, you know, or somebody pulls out uh, TikTok or Snapchat or whatever and just starts showing random funny videos of dogs, whatever you're into, right? you know, because people won't remember most of the things that you say when you meet them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So if you made them laugh so hard that, you know, they fell off their chair or, you know, you 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 made you made them happy in one way or another whatever it is they remember how you made them feel and that's how they're going to remember you so if you go in there and you just smash a cd in their face and keep bombarding them they're going to go i remember how that guy made me feel he was really annoying um yes, yes. whereas if you go in there and you just yourself for the most importantly and you just chill and you go hey man i just want to show you this funny video on my phone they're more likely to go, yeah, man, show me, you know, and um, that that's going to be how people are going to remember you by how you make them feel. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's happened so many times, dude. Like we'll be, we'll go to a city and you're just like, you realize like, ah, that dude's going to be here. (laughs) You know, like, it's just kind of like, ah, because of like the experience you had last time, because it was, you know, kind of what we're talking about. Like, just play cool and, yeah. and and things will happen. Just be in it for the long game. That's that's how all of this works. You know, we're we're learning life lessons right now, people. Um, yep. So I want to talk to you real quick about something that uh, an email you sent out the other day. I'm on your email list, and this is actually how okay. we initiated this podcast: is uh, me uh, at replying to your email and getting you on the show. Um, but uh, the the main artist, featured artist thing. Um, yes. Yeah, I sent you this. I told you my little story the other day, and um, I thought it'd be interesting to to bring it up on the pod. But uh, so I noticed um, that okay, this doesn't. I don't know how closely this is related, but I was going through on our Spotify artist page one day, a couple months back, and I noticed on the editorials we've got we're on a lot of editorials, which is which is rad. Um, And down the bottom here, I'm seeing. we're on this is real big fish that we're on the real big fish this is a spotify playlist and um i know that's yeah it's great um it's because we did a song and their horn section played on the song and uh we're friends with yeah we're friends with those guys we're homies we've done a lot of tours together um but from what i remember they're not they're not actually I didn't put them as main artists. They're, they're a feature artist and Eric from revolution sings on it as well. So they're tagged, but we're not on anything revolution that I know of, but we're on this, this is real big fish. So I just thought that was funny that somehow just because they're as listed as a featured artist, we actually got, we're on the, this is real big fish playlist. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, look, I mean, you, you've got to remember that those, this is 
uh, playlists, uh, a lot of the time there's uh, singer-songwriters, vocalists that are really popular. Uh, you know, let's let's look at Sam Smith. I mean, yes, he's a standalone, highly successful, highly talented artist, singer-songwriter, but he also collaborated and featured on songs with Disclosure. Um, so you'd be crazy not to include uh, those songs on his playlist because you know that people love his voice and they want to hear him on any anything, even if it's not on his own album. Right. Um, so that would be the same there. It's, you know, people love Real Big Fish. They want to hear anything that they've touched. Um, you know, they want to, they, if they've applied their own unique sound to it or, um, you know, if you've had a guest vocalist on a track, uh, that that's important because people want to follow them wherever they go. Um, so I, I think it's really cool that they do that and, um, and those playlists exist for that reason because there's a lot of extra discovery that can go on there. I mean, if you look at uh, producers, if you look at Catronata, I mean, there's so many tracks that Catronata has produced but is not tagged on or credited on. Um, so for those playlists, it's my understanding and from what I've seen that there's actually some level of research that goes into that or um, perhaps they're actually looking into the songwriter credits as well uh, and pulling that information to make sure that these playlists are featuring anything that that person has touched that is of relevance and is popular. Yeah, I'd, I'd- that's it's wild to me. I never even thought. I mean, it's clearly it's you know the artist is Ballyhoo. It's not really fish, and we somehow ended up on it. I think that's great. I mean, we've gotten uh, one point eight thousand streams just from that. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, what I was leading to was um, you sent out this email about the main artist featured artist thing that you can do there, and yep. uh, my story with that is um, that uh, I think this is a very cool p- cross promotional thing. Um, I've seen other artists do it lately, uh, where if you, if you have someone featured on a song from another band and you list that band, their band as a main artist, um, your song will actually end up on their Spotify page as well. Yep. And, um, you'll be able to see those numbers in your Spotify artist page. And I think that's really cool. And, the band that we worked with for this, um, they approached me and they're super cool. I, I love them. They're a great band. They're, they're, I think they're going to do great things. Um, they approached me about it and, uh, they sent me a, like a, a screenshot of another band that had done it. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't really, I, I'd seen that, but I didn't realize this was going down. Um, basically they wanted to list us as a main artist. And so it shows up in our, on our page as one of our releases. And, I was yep. like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and I think this is really cool and can be a very useful tool for bands that that want to cross-promote or level up or whatever. Um, but also, what I learned was I'm never going to do this again when it's so close to re- our, our own release um, because we, ha- we actually, uh, it was kind of last minute and theirs came out and then a week later, our song was supposed to come out. And um, when... I'd submitted our song. You know, you can submit now. You already know this, but um, you can you can submit your song on the Spotify artist page uh, within seven days 
of the release and it can it'll get looked at for possible inclusion on spotify editorial playlists it's an it's an amazing feature you can tag it up and all that um and i'd already done that like a few weeks prior so it was all set up and ready and done well when i agreed to do this i didn't click that this may cancel our submission if they if they submit theirs and of course they're they're going to submit theirs so they submitted it, and sure enough, it canceled my submission, and it made me a little salty for a minute. I was like, oh, my God, you serious? And I thought I was going to ruin it, you know, like our chances. And um, and again, I love these guys. But uh, uh, so their song comes out, and then I go, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit ours now. It's, it's a full seven days before our release, so I need to get this in. So I went back in, and I'm at a festival. Like I'm, We play this festival that day in California, and I'm like, data's not working anyway because so many people and i'm getting yeah. errors like we can't add this right now like you can't submit having pro- i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god like this whole thing is going to ruin this and finally after like four times like later that night like after midnight on that early saturday morning i was able to uh i was able to submit the song um so the song comes out the following friday and it does well with our fans like it's the algorithm uh algorithmic algorithmic playlist is killing it you know for us that weekend um but we mm-hmm. never got picked up and now the the band that that we did this with their song actually got put on two spotify playlists that we've been on in the past so i feel like we opened the door for them and we got them in there and i don't know how this works at spotify um i assume it's like i know is there's real people going through these songs but is there a little bit of machine learning there does it does it just see a ballyhoo track and go okay this is a new track it looks like it fits the description we're gonna throw it in there because the song was cool it kind of sounds like us a little bit and upbeat and it's like a ska punk song um and then so they get on these two playlists and then the following week our song comes out and we get like no playlist love and so it was either coincidence that uh maybe the song just wasn't the right vibe for any of the playlists you know, and that's why I didn't get picked. Or it was the fact that we just got added to two playlists the seven days before. And they were like, oh, we already got a Ballyhoo song in there. So we don't need this, even though it wasn't even our song. So it, it made me just kind of like bummed out a little bit. But I'm glad we did it because I learned from it. Um, yeah. So definitely something like it's something that I think is very cool to do. And you want to both artists need to talk and, and talk about all the possibilities and anything that could go wrong or anything that, be, that could go great. Talk about it first. Make sure everybody's cool with it, but make sure you're not doing it anywhere near the other's release date. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts 100%. on that? One hundred percent, and exactly, it's it's like anything. I mean, don't overload your fans either. I mean, I, I'm sure that you were actively promoting both both releases, both songs to your audience, to to your fans. Um, you know, so it's it's important to spread it out and. Definitely, because it can also sometimes for the other artists, if they find out that you have a release that close, it can, it can upset them because they go, well, are you really <laughs> going to get behind this as well? You know, we did a collaboration. We're both main artists, but you've got a song coming out the week after. We know that you're going to push your song more. Right. So definitely spread it out is, is a very good thing to do just to make sure that you obviously this, submitting at least seven days before release date, you get the release radar guaranteed for your followers. Um, but also you need that gap in between so that you get time for it to reset so that you can submit the next song for editorial. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth spreading them out. 
you know, I, I see artists that go, I'm going to release a song every single week for the next 10 weeks. And I go, that's cool, but you can only have one editorial submission at a time. So every other week, you're going to miss out by, by doing this. You know, I said, at least maybe do one song every 12 days or something. So there's a buffer there. There's some space in between. But really, I mean, people aren't going to think that you've, uh, you've gone into early retirement or you've, you've quit the music industry because it's gone two weeks without a new song from you. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, and also, I mean, you know, every song, you pour a lot of heart into it. These songs have value by, by just pumping a song out every week. It, it almost makes it look like you're, you could just be doing it um, to, to make some extra money in, instead of actually, you know, putting in the effort and, and, and having a plan for each song and giving it time to shine and get added to some playlists. I mean, you know, there's some artists out there where, you know, Lil Nas X, uh, Old Town Road. I mean, we don't need to talk about how oh, popular that song I was. I know the but, song. I got kids. I know yeah. the song. But it's no coincidence that no follow-up track came out for some time because that song was doing so well that why would you then have a newer release and perhaps that could kill it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they just left it there. And then as it started to, I guess, die down slightly, uh, that's, that's when the EP came out. And, of course, you know, being signed now as well, but... Um, and now he's just doing remixes. <laughs> it's all remixes of like the yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's it's like you know, look at that and go, okay, we have one song that's killing it right now. We we bet we we can confidently sit back while this is killing it and spend a little more time thinking about creatively about what the next song is going to be. Uh, is it a good song to follow up to this? You know, and what's our what's our strategy here? Because we need to we need to really make sure that we keep this going. In, instead of oh, let's just rush and put out another song and uh, push this one down further in in the list of releases. So, right, yeah, and 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 that way, if you've got that buffer between each release, you've got time to pull it or uh, change the release date to maybe a little further out as well. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's something to like. I know that like. But, you know, our fans, I know for sure, would love if we did a song every week. You know, they'd be like, oh, my God, new music, new music. But yeah. <clears throat> on the business side of it, it's like, yeah, you, you want to, you know, get some leeway there and have a little time to breathe and grow, you know, instead of just kind of killing the sales or streams of the, of the previous one. You want to give it some some time to, to shine. Um, one of the things that I struggle with is, uh, especially with singles, like rec a full record is one thing, but with singles the the lead time before release i've kind of struggled with i feel like we live in such a fast on-demand culture now here today gone later today um like when you're promoting a single uh i've done it before where we'll go a month before or six weeks before um i've seen bands literally post the day of hey we got a new song out surprise uh, i've seen bands do it a week before do you think there's a magic number like should we do should should a band be um going no more than two weeks of promotion on a single i feel like a month is sort of overkill because you're constantly 
hitting people in the head with this, all your ads and your promo and stuff on, you know, Instagram and for a month, it just sort of gets exhausting or fatiguing. What, yeah. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I, I don't think there's a, a magic number that works for everyone. I think it really depends on the content in the lead up to the song. So if, you know, if you have a song that's coming out in four weeks and you've got a picture that you recently took in the studio, you could po- schedule that posted on your social media and go adding some special touches to a new song. You're going to be able to hear it next month. And then as you get closer to it, then you might start to actually give them a little taste of the song. So it could be a 10 second video or something like that. Um, and, and then of course the pre-save and pre-add uh, is always worth doing as well because that way you're not just telling people new song coming, new song coming. You're going, here's how you can make sure that you hear it first and you have it pre, you know, pre-saved or pre, pre-added. Uh, you know, you can even pre-add it to a playlist now so that as soon as it comes out, it's already in your personal playlist as well. So um, there's, yeah, I, I think four weeks out, you need to show that you're, you know, show that you're working on it. I mean, obviously you've finished it, you've uploaded it to your distributor already, but as far as your fans know, uh, perception is reality. So you post up a picture of you in the studio. They believe that you're actually in the studio right now, still finishing that track. And that makes them feel like it's really fresh. And when they hear it, it's just being finished instead of, knowing that you perhaps finished that song one year ago and that picture was taken six months ago. Um, Cause people don't want to think that what they're listening to is already old or that that photo wasn't taken right then in that moment because it loses some of its excitement. So, you know, the early, the early posts, you know, those studio pictures. And then from there you start to get into the teasers and things like that. Um, you know, but obviously the song's already, sitting there and it's already with the distributor and it, it's coming out, but your fans don't need to know that they just, they just want to see the progress leading up to it. Right. And then when it comes out, they go, wow, I feel, I feel like I'm already connected with this song because I saw them in the studio working on it. I, um, I saw them sharing that preview that they were really excited. It's coming out. I, I clicked their pre-save link and, um, you know, whatever you offered on the, on the pre-save or pre-add link, it could be an exclusive video or something like that, that they get access to after they do it. Um, and, and then they feel connected to this and it's part of the journey. And then when the song comes out, I mean, yes, with, with the, with the pre-save campaign, you may have captured their email as well, but at least you've captured them as a follower. Uh, you, they've also saved that song to their library and they perhaps pre-added it to their personal playlist. So when they go driving that morning or they go to the gym and they listen to their playlist, that song's going to be there and start playing for them. So you, there's multiple ways that you've connected with them and that they're going to be able to access that song. Um, so, yeah, it's um, kind of went off on a bit of a tangent there. But <laughs> no, it's all good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, there's, there's no magic number. I mean... One thing I want people to know is, is, you know, if Apple Music go, guess what? Beyonce just dropped a new album overnight. That album didn't just happen yesterday. You know, that could have no. been planned for a year. Of course a not, year. Yeah. And because it's Beyonce, it's totally fine. People yep. open Apple Music. Apple going to tell everyone. 
there's going to be massive campaigns behind it and they know it's going to go well. Um, you know, I, I see artists that go, oh, my distributor can have the song on Spotify in 24 hours and iTunes within four hours. And, and I go, that's not good. <laughs> there's, you know, I mean, even if it's your first song and you're just starting out, if you're listening to this and you're about to release your first song, still give it lead time. Yeah. Because that you can have no followers, no monthly listeners on Spotify and still submit for editorial. And how awesome would it be that the very first song you put out could get picked up and added to an editorial playlist and you've just had a massive jump start. Um, all because you you just didn't rush into it. Right. Yeah, I think uh the when when independent bands with like no budget you know are doing are doing the surprise here's a here's a song it feels like a waste to me like i don't think i don't think we would do that you know um i could see if it was like a i don't know a youtube thing or you know hey check it out you know i don't know but like when it comes it comes to streaming i think you need to take it seriously and like really get get some marketing behind it, put the money in the right places. I know there's like a, a platforms like gleam where you can set up like call to action campaigns. It's like, yep. give us your email and get the song for free or, or, or whatever. Like uh, I'm kind of wondering how all that, like what the best way to go with that is too nowadays. Like it's like with a download, even, you know, people, people got to figure out how to get it on their phone. Cause it's not like iTunes where it's just, it's just there. You know, if you see, like, I used to use Bandcamp, and to yeah. me, to me, that seems weird. Like, I feel like people don't want an extra step. Like, cool, you can get this unreleased bonus track or something, but then you got to figure out how to get it onto your phone. You know, as a part of your library, and I just feel like it's sort of a <clears throat> antiquated kind of thing. You know, like people used to plug in their phone to the iTunes and they drag their songs over, but now it's all like right there. It's in the cloud. They can just play it on demand um yeah definitely uh downloads you know i mean some people still like downloads um but i'm seeing a lot of people do other things now doing competitions and uh depending (laughs) on you you know what level the artist is at you know if you've got a very loyal following that love you and follow you and um are paying attention to everything that you do you could say something crazy like pre-save my new single or our new single and you will get a private FaceTime video call uh, to say thank you. Um, or, or it could be you could win a, a merch pack uh, with a T-shirt, a hoodie, a cap worth $200 and you could have 10 of those available. So it's $2,000 worth of merchandise that maybe costs you $500 to create, but you've got... 5,000 people that have pre-saved your song, which is going to help uh, it on release day and give it more opportunities for success. And yes. that, that's $500 is actually a pretty cheap marketing campaign. And then you're going to have fans that are going to have this merchandise and hopefully take pictures of it, share it on social media as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people are finding other things to offer outside of uh, just a, a download now. Um, yes, you got to think outside the box for this kind of stuff these days. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, it, I think it's 
it's instead of spending $500 just running an ad telling people to pre-save your song, uh, obviously spend some money on ads if you're in a position to do so, but have something of value to give people because for me, I'm more likely to click that button and follow a few steps if I could win something cool or uh, if I can get access to something that I couldn't get any other way. Um, you know, some artists will go click here and then we'll take, it'll take you to our merch store where you will save 20% on your order or, uh, whatever, whatever it is, there, there needs to be some kind of incentive to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, only, only you will know what the best incentive is for your audience. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really hope our listeners are taking notes right now. This is, this is all really great stuff, man had you on here for a while i don't want to keep you too long uh, i did want to just shout out your podcast real quick um streamline um thank you yeah yeah so uh when did you start podcasting i have been doing it for years on and off uh under different projects so when i was more focused on djing i did a number of different podcasts um I, but streamline has been really since this year, the format changed to more of an interview format. And the reason for that was there's some really cool people out there doing cool stuff. And I just wanted to chat with them and get to know more about them. But I also wanted to make it um, useful for the listener. So there would be uh, times where during the conversation, we would throw in a quick tip or uh, things like that, just to give you that extra bit of value. So you don't just go, Oh, that was, that was cool hearing that person's story. You go, that that was cool. I like them. I learned something and I got value from that as well. So um, that's, that's really been the focus of it this year. Before that, it was literally me going for a walk with my headphones in, pressing record in Anchor and just talking for a few minutes about whatever I learned that day or found out. Um, and I may still do little episodes like that in between as well, but I'm really enjoying the long, the long format now, uh, kind of like what we're doing right now. I mean, we've been going for well over an hour and, uh, you know, we've just been throwing in these little tips and little nuggets of gold, yes. uh, so that while people are listening and yes, they're hearing our stories, uh, we're giving them quick pieces of information and quick things that they can action straight away. Um, yeah. The, the conversational, but, yeah. conversational long form, you know, podcasts are great. You know, when it's not just, so why do you do this? Or how's this? Or what's the, the quest Q and a, like this is just feels more, more natural. And then as you go, you're hearing these little, these cool little nuggets of information. Yeah, that's it. And you know, I, I know that everyone's at different levels of the listening. There's beginners, there's intermediate, there's probably some advanced people that are listening and going, I know 99% of this, but I always try and set myself a goal that any conversation I have with someone, I give them at least one takeaway, something that either it's a way to think differently about something that they're doing, or it's something that they didn't actually know. Um, and regardless of who I'm speaking to, I feel like that's important because then that's something that I know that I gave them that they didn't have before. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, I mean, to, to, to wrap it up, is there anything that, that you can say to, to the listeners here that you find has been resonating lately? Things, something you've said or something you found out recently, like what's, what's a good, maybe 
good tip you can give to people that either are you know starting their own playlist they're not an artist they're just starting their own playlist or or a band that's trying to get on playlists or, or you know is there anything that you can give if you're trying to get on other people's playlists make sure you have your own playlist first mm. um you know because what you're going to find is a lot of artists are also curators and when you're trying to get on these other playlists it's probably an artist that is curating it or their manager or someone connected to them. Um, usually when people start a playlist and they start to get a following, uh, a lot of the time they're connected in some way. You know, Yes, there are pure music lovers out there, but there are also brands, companies that start playlists. Uh, there's people that manage various artists, uh, things like that. So if you have your own playlist, uh, they're going to see that straight away. And then you want, you're going to have something of value that you could offer them because they might go, Oh yeah, you know, I, I like your music. Thanks for sending it. I see you have a playlist as well. I I've got a song that you should check out. It might be a good fit. Um, and I, I always feel like that is, is a really good way to get it started. I, I always say for artists that are just, at the very beginning uh, and getting and are new to DSPs, I say, obviously create a playlist of all your original music because if somebody goes to your profile and likes your song and they see a playlist there with all of your music on it, they're going to hit play. And the best thing that happens is they let that playlist play all the way through and you could have 10 songs on there. So now they've listened to your entire catalog once instead of just listening to one song. Um, expanding from that, the next playlist you create is a playlist of similar music to you. So a playlist with other artists that you like where your songs would fit in that playlist as well. And then, so what you do is you start adding those artists, obviously add local artists as well that are doing similar music and would be a good fit. Uh, and then add some larger artists as well. So it's a mix of discovery and all you know, well-known artists, because then what happens is once you start letting people know, the local artists may say thank you to you. That could lead to you connecting with them. It, it could even lead to them discovering your music as a result of you just sending them an email saying, I added you to my playlist. They go, cool, I checked it out. I see you're an artist too. I listened to your track. Um, you know, maybe we could play some shows together. And then what I've seen some curators have been fortunate enough um, with their playlists that they add a major artist who has a large following on social media and they tell them and that artist goes, Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, Howie for adding us to your playlist. Everyone go check it out. And all of a sudden your playlist just goes crazy uh, because that artist has a lot of influence and they've told their followers to go and listen to your playlist, which has their song on there. That's great, and that, and that can happen, you know, with a with a very low number of followers as well. Uh, you know, I've seen playlists; it, it's ridiculous, but I've seen a few times where there's been a playlist with less than 100 followers, and somebody shares that playlist, and then the follower count just skyrockets. Um, but the playlist was re really well curated, and it was ready. So uh, as soon as people hit it, they started playing it, following it, and sharing it. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I think I think yeah. the uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big believer in um helping each other. Like there's no reason like it's not really a competition, you know? There's there's plenty of room for everybody. Um and uh I think if one hand washes the other, I think that applies here, you know? It's like um we can work together to build a community, to build a scene, you know, and uh just lift each other up rather than try to step on each other. I think that's that applies here, you know? Definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, and, um, go ahead. One other thing, if I, if I can add as well, yeah, please. Um, just a recent thing that I learned, uh, and this is shout out to my friend Lloyd Pringle, uh, who put me onto this. Such a cool name, just like Pringles, uh, the chips. Uh, Lloyd Pringle. Love the he's, chips. Uh, he's based, yeah. He's he's based in Bali in Indonesia, and he helps with cleaning up my podcast and making my videos look and sound awesome, and oh, a bunch cool. of other things. But he's kind of like a bit of a mentor to me as well. He gives me little uh, calls to pep me up and, and um, you know, remind me why I'm doing some of the things that I do. And uh, But anyway, one thing that he said to me that is really important is that when you're creating something, whether it's a video or a podcast or whatever, the content is the most important part. So... You know, I mean, if if you don't mind sharing with your listeners and and telling people how we're actually recording this <laughs> podcast today, um, I think they might be amazed. Um, but it's you know, if you don't have access to a professional studio, but you've got someone there that wants to talk and it's going to be great quality, just record with whatever you have, just by any means, and get it out because people aren't going to mind if it's not the best highest possible audio quality if the content is great and it's better than not not doing it and not putting it out at all um obviously this is separate from releasing a song but right um for things like this you know if yeah you know i mean you think about instagram live you hold your phone up it's a little windy outside you go live you talk to your fans yeah it's like the worst quality They they don't care exactly so you know with this i mean i i'd like to think that people feel like they're listening to a phone call and the reality is they are. Um, so there's going to be a little background noise. There's going to be things that are going to happen. I mean, I'm surprised my doorbell hasn't rang with a delivery or something right now. Um, you know, stuff's going to happen, uh, but the content is the most important part and it's better than not putting it out at all. So, um, I know that a lot of us are perfectionists, but sometimes you just have to go. If the only way I'm going to get this content out is by doing this, then I'm going to do it. That's exactly right, man. You just got to do it. There's no, don't wait around. Just, just commit and just do it. Like throw your phone out there, press record. You know, that conversation is not going to happen again, you know? And sometimes some conversations need to be heard, you know, because it can help people. Um, You know, that, that's why I enjoy doing this so much. It's all about just trying to get, give it like free advice. I don't care. Just, I just want to get it out there and talk about it. And uh, man, you're, and you're like, a well of knowledge, dude. <laughs> thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show and talking about this stuff. And I, I hope to have you on again at some point. And um, I'm going to make sure everybody has the link to your book. Uh, I, I put it out on there last night in the story, so I'll make sure there's another link in the, in the actual description and uh, for people to your podcast and everything. But um, yeah, man, amazing work, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what you do next. Awesome. Thank you so much, Howie. I really appreciate your time, and I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect and do this. Yeah, man. I'm so stoked to have you on. Well, there you have it. Mike Warner, thanks so much for coming on to the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. Um, 
wonderful conversation. I learned a lot. I always love this, man. This is like why I, this is why I do this. this is why I started this. Like, I feel like this is a place for people to learn, but it's I learned more stuff, and I, I like I get things that are things that I thought were true or things I thought I was doing right. It kind of gets uh, reinforced, you know. Um, and things I thought I was doing right that uh, I find out I'm doing wrong. That that happens too. So uh, that's why I like to have the pros on here, baby. Uh, thank you all so much, man, for tuning in. Once again, uh, go follow Mike Warner. His Instagram is AskMikeWarner. Uh, he put out a book called Work Hard, Playlist Hard. Go get that at Amazon right now. Um, I'll have the link in the, in the description below. And then uh, go follow his podcast as well, um, Streamline. He's got a lot of cool guests, and he talks about a lot of this stuff. And um, I don't know, it's just fun to, to meet more people that are doing this as well and kind of putting our heads together. So uh, once again, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Um, thank you all for listening. Thanks for all the support. Go check out the merch. If you want to support the podcast, go to TalesFromTheGreenRoom.com. Hit the support, uh, support the podcast button. Uh, follow me at Howie Spangler on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, hit me up with some voicemails. Let me know what I should be talking about. You know, stuff like that. I wanted, I'm trying to get into uh, Mailbag Mondays. I think that, that's what I want to do. Is Monday is when we do all the voicemails and stuff like that. Um, so hit me up and uh, just have a wonderful weekend. I'm out. Yeah.